you started a newsletter. So you, you had your corporate career. I'm going to fast track. I'm going to make some assumptions here. You had your corporate career, pandemic happens. You recognize there's a void. You start a newsletter. Did I summarize that correctly for you? Yeah, I did a number of things before the pandemic and, and even during and started a number of different businesses, side projects, but did have a corporate career prior to the pandemic. I bring up the newsletter because you brought up relationships. Email and newsletters today are still the number one way to have a relationship with your audience. And we've been talking about identity and athletes and we're transitioning from identity and athletes to now relationships. And we're going to talk about your newsletter, but talk about the power of a newsletter and that direct relationship you can have with your audience. And I ask you that because if you're an athlete, it would seem wise to me that setting up a newsletter to create that authentic one-to-one -one connection with your audience and your fan base so that when your career is done one day, you have that authentic connection that you can then build upon. Hundred percent. I think the barriers to entry for newsletters are uh, very low these days. Anybody can start a newsletter, and I think the key when it comes to newsletter is it's the one asset that you have complete control over. Like you can't control the algorithms on Twitter mm -hmm. or LinkedIn yeah. or Instagram. So whatever you, the content that you create or the value that you're trying to provide to an audience you have really no control over who it reaches or the engagement piece, or even if your profile gets shut down. So being able to take the people who are interested in your story, your content, whatever you're putting out into the world and have a direct one-on-one -on -one relationship with them where you can reach their inbox because most people don't change their email address. So that's gonna stay the same, being able to connect with them and, and really reach them to where everybody checks, checks their email, I think is invaluable, especially in a world where social media algorithms are changing all the time. And so having an asset or direct connection with your readership is really important, no matter what type of business you have or what you're trying to accomplish at the end of the day. And so that was really kind of the impetus of me starting with new, a newsletter because of that direct connection that I can build and being able to really have something that I have a lot of control over when it comes to getting directly in front of people's faces with whatever I'm trying to promote or the value that I'm trying to provide. So the pandemic happens, the newsletter idea comes up and I don't want to oversimplify it because you said the barrier to entry for a newsletter is very low these days. So is the barrier to working out, but yet nobody, <laughs> nobody does it. <laughs> right. Yet. Yeah. Or being on time, yet those two, yet rarely are people on time, that it's the easiest skill in the world that most people fail at. And then secondly, working out on an accountable, consistent basis, easy to, no barrier to do it, yet nobody does it. I segue to newsletter, easy to do, yet most are reluctant to do it or don't know how to start or how to do it. Share with us and share with me, if you may, and share with the audience your learnings starting a newsletter, what you've learned, what you've failed at, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Absolutely. I, mean, I think going back to your point about accountability, like most people aren't great at holding themselves accountable or being disciplined. And the number one thing with anything that even a podcast is the consistency and the value. It doesn't matter if a niche is oversaturated or if there are a lot of people doing it. If you play the game forever, you're going to win. And so being able to show up every single week and provide value to somebody, even though it might grow slowly, even though you might not be getting the engagement that you want, as long as you don't quit and you show up, you're consistent, you're 
iterating and trying to provide value to people, you're going to have some type of success. And especially with content and media, for me, the biggest learning for newsletters in particular is like having a set schedule, like a frequent schedule as to when you're publishing something and, and making, holding that promise to the reader is the most important thing. And so I've shown up every single week. I think it's been about 70, I put out 70 reports. Haven't missed a week at all. Holidays, birthday, nothing. I'm always going to hit publish on Sunday at 930. And I guarantee the reader that I made the promise when I started the newsletter, that's what I was going to do. And so staying true to that and even just finding different ways to provide consistent value is the number one, has to be the number one focus. And then I think aside from that is like talking to your audience. I am very adamant about reaching out to people who are reading the newsletter, seeing what value they're getting from it, what they like from the newsletter, what don't they like, and making changes and, and pivoting along the way to ensure at the end of the day that I'm providing something that people actually want to read. And so it's not so much about numbers and vanity metrics as, 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 as such as like the amount of people reading it as it is like are the people who are actually consuming this content engaging with it every single week? What are the click-through rates? So I'm looking at metrics like that, which are speaking more to me than having 100,000 subscribers and maybe only 15,000. I would much rather have a 10,000 um, subscriber email list with 8,000 people who are consistently reading it. So paying attention to numbers that actually matter and then just being consistent with that and talking to your audience, I think is probably been the biggest takeaways that I've had from building this newsletter over the past year and a half or so. What's been the greatest joy, Malcolm, of building your newsletter? The, the, the relationships, going back to relationships, like the people that I meet, especially I'm in a very narrow lane in sports technology. And so there are, uh, you know, investors and founders who who are building really interesting companies and, and projects in the space who I've been privy to because I put out this content and because they engage with and, and have gotten to know me through my readership. And so building those connections, having those relationships and having opportunities based off of that has probably been the, the best part of just building, building the newsletter. Yeah. What's been the biggest surprise? That's a good question. I would say Probably I did expect it to grow a little bit faster uh, or be at a, at a, at a higher subscriber uh, number than I am now. Um, even though the engagement is really high, the click, the rate is really high. I'm right around a little bit over 3000 subscribers now. So I expected the growth to be a little bit further along, but I think going back to what I said before, I think we're, we're all human at the end of the day. So I still get caught up in, in the numbers and mm -hmm. subscriber count from time to time, but understanding like at the end of the day, like it's about the value that I'm providing. I'm trying to keep that kind of top of mind and not really worry about the growth or like trying to put the pedal to the metal too much or put dollars behind paid acquisitions or anything of that nature. Everything has been organic. So really just taking my time with the growth and trying to maintain that quality over everything else is trying to keep that paramount more than anything else. Would that equally be your biggest disappointment, Malcolm, that you haven't hit some of those targets that you perhaps hoped you were hitting by now? I wouldn't say it's a disappointment. I think all great things take time and just having that patience and understanding, like it's a grind. It's a grind every single week to be able to put together the content and get it out there on time and, and making sure, like sometimes 
the the open rates might not be there or something like that. And so it, it can be a little disheartening. I wouldn't say it's an ultimate disappointment because I try to maintain that long-term perspective. And I think anything that you're doing, you have to be in it for the long haul. And so getting caught up in short-term thinking is can be really detrimental to seeing the bigger picture and understanding that good things are going to happen, as I said before, if you just don't quit, if you just stay focused on the grind and, and understanding that it might take three to five years to reach your projected subscriber number or whatever the case may be. So I can relate to some of the emotions you feel week to week when you look at the numbers as a fellow creator, especially yeah. start, starting out, I can absolutely relate sometimes getting hung up perhaps on the numbers, um, perhaps needing to come into a session like this and being reminded by a guy like yourself that great quality over time always wins, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You've made the decision to offer a free newsletter, not to monetize it. How are you monetizing your business right now? So it's primarily through consulting. So working with a number of different sports tech startups in terms of helping them raise capital. So as I said before, like building those relationships with investors in the space has been really key in terms of making those introductions. Then also working with companies in terms of like marketing, go-to-market strategy. So really um, helping these early stage sports tech startups get off the ground and find their footing and their place within the ecosystem and connecting dots and, and forming you know different partnerships for them and things of that nature has been the, the primary way I've been able to monetize uh, the newsletter. I'm looking at a number of different avenues to take as far as like product offerings and, and things of that nature. But as I said before, like it goes back to having those conversations with the readers and understanding what they're going to get the most value and benefit from the most. I'm being very strategic and patient with like creating a sustainable business model and just understanding of having an understanding of what are people, what do people want and how can I give that to them? Malcolm, do you think people are, no, let me rephrase this. People are more educated and knowledgeable than ever before when it comes to the internet and how it works and how the account, how the economics of it works. There's value in your content, high value in your content. You create great content. Are you reluctant to ask somebody for, pick a number, $72 a year to read your content to cover your costs? Are you reluctant to ask somebody for $6 a month? Are you, and I ask you that because I'm wrestling with some of the same conversations myself, which is, I believe I am more than, and I believe you are worth more than free. And it's trying to, not trying, it, it's convincing the audience that, no, what I'm putting out here is good stuff for you. If you can't afford $72 this year, then I don't want you listening to my stuff, frankly. It's, and it's not to be flippant with the attitude about it, but it almost is as well. Do, do you, know what, you know what I'm trying to say? So I'd love to hear your opinion on that, Malcolm. Yeah, I think it depends on the type of content you're offering. I think exclusive insights or behind the scenes thought leadership or really content that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else, you can definitely put behind a paywall and have an avenue to where you can charge a monthly or even yearly subscription. But content is it's a very tough game because as we mentioned before, the barriers to entry are very low. There's a ton of content out there. There's a ton of newsletters, there's a ton of podcasts. And so you're the value that you provide to the reader, whether that's from an education and an insight perspective or even an entertainment value has to be higher than what they like heads and tails over what they're paying for. And so you, if you're going to charge for content, you have to ensure that it meets, exceeds the reader's expectation in value for what they're paying for. 
And I think that can be very difficult because there's so much content and, and out there. And so understanding of what in your past experience or what have you been through that uh, is, is really unique to you and that you somebody wouldn't be able to understand or get anywhere else or what kind of skills do you have that you can provide the reader that is very unique and they can't get anywhere else, then you can look at, you know, putting your content behind a paywall, but it has to really go back to that value that they're getting at the end of the day has to be way above the dollar amount that they're charging. Mm -hmm. I believe that one of the ways we can do that is by offering experiences to your readers, right? So perhaps it's a membership to the newsletter, but it's also a direct connect with Keith, right? You get, you get right. to become part of the private WhatsApp community. Maybe, I, maybe they're able to ask special questions to Malcolm. Maybe they're able to connect with Malcolm in the world or it's things like that. But I hear you though, isn't it? It's really about trying to add incremental value over exceeding that value for a nominal monthly fee or annual fee or whatever that is, isn't it? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So then why don't we take, let's take a, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and that just to your point, like that is when you're specifically talking about content, but I think having a community, I think that's a great way of monetizing because it gives people exclusive access to other people who in their industry and especially in a niche industry where that can help benefit their business or make connections that can help them career career wise. And so uh, being able to connect with other people in, ex in an exclusive community, I think is a very valuable kind of asset or piece of the puzzle that a lot of creators should be uh, exploring, especially when you think about niche industries and spaces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For sure. 